Okay, so today... Um, we're, we're just going to jump into the middle of Acts chapter 10. We've been looking at this story that began in Acts chapter 10 verse 1 with a man named Cornelius. A couple weeks ago we looked at Cornelius. We saw that he was a man who feared God, a man who was devoted to prayer. He was devoted to worship. He was devoted to giving alms, in other words, giving generously to people who were in need, and uh, how God um, came to him, spoke to him, uh, caused him to seek answers, to, to seek out this man named Peter, who, well, if you've been following the story in Acts, you know Peter is a big deal, all right? He's one of the big characters. Then last week, we asked this question about clean and unclean, and we saw how um, Peter was, uh, kind of the scene shifted to Peter and his situation, and we saw how um, God spoke to Peter and talked to him about what makes something clean or unclean, or, uh, or common or holy, and God challenged Peter. We saw him, Peter, respond to that in faith. We saw how um, through Peter's prayers, who, through Peter's convictions, and then through Peter um, spending time trying to discern what it was that Jesus was trying to teach him, how it, it caused a, a change in Peter's mind. And then we kind of left it because the story really wasn't over. I mean, we... We really ended last week's message kind of like, all right, is that it? Is there more? Yes, there is more. And today we, we see the culmination of this story. And so um, the question that I want to pose to you guys today is, are you accepting? So now you could take that in a lot of different ways. And so as we get into the text today, I think we'll see what it, it, we'll see what I had in mind by, by using those particular words. And hopefully you won't be, um, hopefully you won't think um, about necessarily what my opinion is or what my thoughts are or what my views are or how I interpret things or the words that I use, but you'll see God, you'll see Christ, you'll see his spirit in the text today. And he will speak to you and show you um, what he means by acceptance. So very, very important that we um, focus in on that. But before we jump into the main ideas and, and see the truth that, that we can take away today, let's read this passage together. I'm right in the middle of chapter 10. I'm actually going to be in, not only in the middle of chapter 10, I'm going to be in the middle of a verse. Okay? So... Don't get too weirded out. The verse numbers weren't there when, when Luke wrote this down, okay? There were no verses, there were no chapters in the original versions of God's Word. Um, so uh, we're going to just sort of jump in in the middle of verse 23. So find Acts chapter 10, verse 23, right in the middle there. And please follow along with me as I read it aloud. The next day, he rose and went away with them. He is Peter, by the way. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. 
Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Whoa, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth after the, excuse me, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day, and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word, the story that we have recorded here. Thank you for the reminder it is that, that God, you accept all people who are in Christ Jesus. We, we a glory in that. May it May it stir in us witness. May it stir in us fellowship with one another and, and worship God.
teach us this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, folks, that's the big idea of this passage right here. As we, as we, as we take a wide-angle view at this chapter, we see that the whole chapter is really about acceptance. God is doing something in His people and through His people to bring people who are far, far away from Him close. He's bringing salvation to people who God's, God's people at this time were, were Jewish believers. And they had a certain view of what it meant to be saved. They had a certain view of Jesus, the Messiah, or Christ. They had a, they had a view that Jesus was there to save them, to, to save Israel, to redeem them, to show them the true way to get to God. And it was through faith in them, the Messiah, Jesus. But God is opening the door wide. Not, to ju- not just to Jewish believers, but to all people of any nation, right? The Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans. Anybody who puts their faith in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. That should be a big deal. How many of you um, come from Jewish nationality, ethnicity? Okay. All right. So, if this story had never happened, Nikki would be pretty good. She'd put her faith in Jesus. She'd be good. She'd be set. But the rest of us are outside the wall. We're outside the gate. We're outside salvation. We have no part in God. Unless God does this. Unless God opens it wide open. Unless the gospel goes to those who are outside of the Jewish people. And here we are today. Gathered in His name to worship our Savior. Our Lord. He is Lord of all. Amen? I could just say amen. We could just close right now. But there's a lot more to it. There are about six messages in this passage. I was visiting with Chris a few days ago. I'm like, Chris, I've got like eight points, and I've got to whittle this down. Because there's a lot of stuff here. But we've got we to gotta, we gotta preach this, and we've got to move on to other things that God wants us to see in the book of Acts. But the big idea here is that God accepts all people in Christ. He accepts all people. In Christ Jesus. Now, I have to clarify that. I have to qualify that statement. Because I could just say God accepts all people. And that's a, that's a real popular message nowadays. That's a real popular message in our culture. To just say God accepts all people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. Okay, there's some truth to that, right? But unless we see Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, We don't come in to favor with God. We don't receive that salvation. We don't experience that acceptance. It's it's offered for us in Christ Jesus. In the gospel. And that's really powerful. And that's really true. Look look at the way... Look at the way this does it. And I'm going to kind of break this down with, with three kind of big God 
God-focused, God-centered um, thoughts, ideas. And then for each one of those, there, there is an implication for us and how we respond to that. But the first kind of major idea here is that God accepts all people who He makes clean in Christ. Okay? So there's the, the idea of cleanness is there. I spend a lot of time talking about cleanness. It's, it's, like, it's like what makes us qualified to be in God's presence. And we, we realized last week, I hope you realize today, that if we hold ourselves up to, say, Psalm 15 that we heard a few moments ago, who is worthy to go into God's presence? To, to be in the, He who has clean hands, a pure heart, who has not sacrificed to false idols, etc. When we look at that list and we start comparing ourselves to that, we are out. We are unclean. We are common. We cannot be in God's presence because He is not common. He is holy. He is clean. He is pure. But in Christ, He makes us clean. How does He do that? He doesn't just go, okay, you didn't measure up. <laughs> You're okay. And that's alright. I know you failed, but come on in anyway. Yeah, come on in. It's going to be great. No. He says, that would be unjust. I would not be a good judge of the living and the dead if I just said, come on in, forget about it. It's all forgiven. No. He took Christ, who came and fulfilled perfectly that psalm and every other psalm and every other command of the Lord. Clean, pure, perfect. Jesus did it on our behalf. And then He took our punishment that we rightly deserved. And He died for us. Is this, is this familiar territory? Should be. You know, it's, it, it's right for me to speak the same things to you. <laughs> and it's safe for you. Okay? Philippians 3.1. This is good. It's good for us to, to walk over this ground again and to be reminded that it's not of our works. And it's not of our just receiving cheap grace from God. It cost Him His life. He accepts all people who He makes clean in Christ. How does He make us clean in Christ? Christ takes the punishment for our sins and then God credits Christ's righteousness to us. His cleanness is credited to us. And so that's how we can come before Him. So look with me at, the script, at, at, at verse 28 of this passage because you know, we see um, there's a lot of narrative going on here. Um, Peter... And, and the, the two servants and the devout soldier from verse 7, and then several other brothers from Joppa. We, look, we see in, in, uh, in chapter 11 that there were around six of these brothers, um, Jewish brothers, Jewish Christians, who went with Peter and the servants and the soldier. They go to meet Cornelius. Cornelius meets him, and we see he falls down and worships him. More on that in a moment. They talk together, and then Peter says this, Thank you for welcoming you, me into your home. You know that this is a really, really bad thing I'm doing. Just wanted you to know. I shouldn't be here. 
He is such a gracious guest that he lets them know exactly how dirty and unclean they are. Well, that's kind of how I took it. If I was courteous, I'd be like, what's up with this guy? He's supposed to be, isn't he supposed to be telling us something good here? But, look what, look what Peter does. Remember? Remember he was reflecting, he was pondering, he was exercising discernment um, about the vision that he had seen previously. And then he stands up there and he says, but, one of these are one of the big buts of the Bible, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Well, wait a minute. Was it the vision that he had in verses um, 11 to uh, 15 about animals? Isn't it about clean and unclean animals, about ritual food laws, about which foods are good to eat and which foods God doesn't want you to eat if you're to be a good Jew? But Peter realizes in the presence of Cornelius, in the presence of his family, in the presence of his friends, that the real point, the ultimate point, was about people. And God has the authority to declare a person clean or unclean. To, to declare food clean and unclean. He is the one who has that authority. We don't have that. And so God does that, and He does that, and He declares people clean, as I said, in Christ. So Peter's reflecting on this. He's seeing this, and he's going, okay, clean and unclean. I don't have the authority to do that. But God does. And God declares a person clean or unclean. Not me. I don't discriminate that way. I don't show partiality that way. And so when Peter goes on um, to talk to uh, them about the gospel, and he shares with them what Jesus actually did for us, how he was righteous and perfect, how he proved himself through verse um, 38, by doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. These were proofs that Jesus was God, that He had authority, that He was Lord of all, that He was judge of the living and the dead. Um, uh, Peter says this, we are witnesses of what He did. We saw this. We, we saw what He did. We, we saw how He made people clean. How he took away their sicknesses, how he took away their illnesses, how he relieved them of the oppression of the devil, how he did all of these things. And he chose us to be his witnesses. Yes, God accepts all people who make us clean in Christ. And one of the implications there is that, is that for, for Peter and all who hear the word, to to turn that around. So if God chooses all people, or He accepts all people, any people is another way you could put that, then we should accept others as well. We ought to accept others as well. So look at verse 29. Peter, in reflecting on the, what God has, God showed Peter about clean and unclean, Peter says, So when I was sent for, I came... Without objection. I came. I came to you. I put, I put feet to my faith. God showed me something true. Now I'm here. 
And he re-emphasizes that in his message of the gospel as he talks about how Peter became, along with the other apostles, witnesses. And he's reflecting back, or Luke is putting this story here, and if we're reading this, this, this book in context, we should be thinking back to Acts 1.8, when Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea, and, or excuse me, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. See, this is really interesting because in Peter's message of the gospel, as he's bearing witness to Cornelius and his friends and his family, he's thinking, or he's saying things like, we are witnesses um, to the people. We, we, he commanded us to preach to the people. Um, but he, only, he didn't appear to all the people. He only appeared to us who had been chosen by God. And so to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. But here's the thing. Peter was a faithful witness, but his idea of faithfulness was restricted to his own people. So when he's thinking about everyone who calls on him, he's thinking every Jew who calls on him, every person who comes from that from that lineage, from that heritage, who calls on Him. He, he says, you know, we're to, supposed to preach to the people. Yeah, we're going to the ends of the earth. You know what the ends of the earth? What was at the ends of the earth? Jews. Jewish people all over the world. They had been dispersed for several hundred years all over the world. And in, in Peter's mind, he's thinking... Okay, we're going we're gonna to go. We'll get there. We're going to get to the ends of the earth. And we'll, guess what we're going to find there? A synagogue. We're going to find Jews worshiping Yahweh. And we're going to tell them about the Messiah. And we're going to fulfill this commission. But see, God flips the whole thing. He says, no, yes, well, yes, tell them. It's, yes, it's for the Jews, but it's for everybody. His idea of everyone was limited. We accept others when we faithfully share Jesus with all people. And that means everybody. So we ought to think about, in our own lives, in our own experiences, as we're, we're, we're contemplating the gospel, we're contemplating who Christ is and how God makes us clean in Christ, we're thinking about who around us needs to hear the gospel. It's not just people like us. People who look like us, people who act like us, people who like the th same things as us, people who have the same interests. There's a lot of diversity. If you've lived in Yakima for more than a week, there's a lot of diversity here. People of all nationalities, people from all ethnicities. And, and like, for instance, we have, according to the 2010 census, I'm I'm really looking forward to 2020 and seeing what that looks like. But according to the 2010 census, there's about 40% of the population of the city of Moxie that, um, let's see, how does, how does it go? They, they, they check the box on Hispanic. But even if, you, if, even if you talk to people who check the box on Hispanic, 
There are people who are from all kinds of different places. From all kinds of different Central South American countries. Or who've lived in the, the United States for maybe generations, but are still identifying as Hispanic. Just, that's just one example. And we've got people from all over the world represented here in Yakima. Are we limiting our witness to people who just have the same interests as us? Or have the same face or the same skin color or whatever else it is? Shame on us. Shame on the disciples. Well, kind of, let's give them a little grace because they're, they're discovering something new. God's showing them, showing Peter something new here. But we, we can respond by faithfully sharing Jesus with all people. It's a beautiful thing when we do. But, so God accepts all people who he makes clean in Christ, but God also accepts all people who he sovereignly chooses in Christ. Who he sovereignly chooses in Christ. Well, we see Cornelius repeat his story. He, he shares his story of, okay, this was what happened, and, and a lot of repetition there. Cornelius went, saw an angel in, in verse, what, 2 and 3? Verse 3? Um, that's what Luke says, but Cornelius, maybe, he, he interpreted, he, he looked like a man to me, but he was in glowing, he was in, you know, shining bright clothes. Um, and then he recounts what happened and how he responded. And, and then he says, We're, here we are in God's presence to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord to speak to us. Well, then look what, look what, um, look what Peter says next. He says, I understand that God shows no partiality. God is impartial. And, and, but what does he say? But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That's a big, big deal. A big, big deal. But you might say, well, what does this have to do with God sovereignly choosing people? Because I, I just said, God accepts all people who he sovereignly chooses in Christ. You should ask that question. What's the connection between no partiality, anyone from any nation is acceptable to him who fears him, does what is right? God sovereignly chooses. Well, because we have to think about the whole story, the whole story of God. And who was acceptable to God? Israel. And, and in, by the time we get to the New Testament, they were, they were seen as the Jewish people. Okay? The, God's chosen people, God sovereignly chose Israel and said, you are acceptable to me. But he said this, if you do what is good, if you maintain your holiness, if you fear me. Should I prove that? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, 
to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you this day for your good. That's what the Lord required of His people. To do what was right. In other words, obedience to Him. Obedience to His Word. Walking in all of God's ways. Keeping all of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And, but also, to fear God. To have that relationship with Him. To love Him and to serve Him with their heart and their soul. That is what God called His people to do. But He also tells them in this, in this uh, passage, or in, this, um, in Deuteronomy, He tells them, I'm trying to find my reference because I lost it. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to bear with me. I lost, um, I lost my references in 7 or 8. Um, yes, verse 7. Here we go. Choosing. Okay? Chapter 7. I'm sorry. Chapter 7. Verses 6, 7, etc. He says, You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession. Okay, this is This is important. This is important. It, it bears on what's going on in Acts chapter 10 and it bears on, on what is going on in our lives today. God says, I chose you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You could stop right there and go, man, we're pretty awesome. We were chosen by... We are His treasured people. We are His possession. Out of all the people on the earth, we are the elect. But hold on. Verse 7. It was not because you were more in number than the other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping an oath He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out. That phrase, that idea, that's just a sample in Deuteronomy, is repeated several other times in this book. That God is saying to His people, I didn't choose you because you're the biggest and the brightest and the best. I didn't choose you for your GPA. I didn't choose you for your ability to make money. I didn't choose you for your organizational skills. Praise God He didn't choose me for that. Based on that. I didn't choose you for anything you bring to the table. You don't come into God's presence saying, well, you know, check out my resume, God. Here's what I think I can do for you. You come in to His presence like a beggar, like a pauper, who said, may I have a place in your lowest of the lowest servants. You are sovereign. You choose who you want to choose. If we come before God thinking, hey, we are His chosen people. We've missed it. We've missed His sovereignty. We've missed His greatness. So, when, Paul, when Peter's standing there going, God shows no partiality. In every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. 
He's talking about God's sovereignty to choose who He chooses. What about us? What are the implications for us? We can see some of them here. We can see some of them here. First of all, Peter walks in to that house who he knows that his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, even believers, are going to question. Verse uh, verse 27, back to verse 27. As he talked with him, he went in. And of course, you know how he, how as such a gracious guest he was, he pointed out how bad that was. But then, moving, moving ahead, a, a spoiler alert, the very last verse, verse 48, after they were baptized in the name of Jesus, then they asked him to remain for some days. So what did he do? He said, I'll stay here with you. You have an unclean room for me? I'll sleep there. You have some unclean food for me? I'll eat it at your table. Yeah. In other words, real fellowship began to take place. When God showed him and his people that he doesn't show partiality, that he chooses sovereignly in Christ. You might ask the question, though, and I think this is a good time to ask it. What about this fears him and does what is right? On one hand, when Peter, when, when Peter is saying this, he's, he's reflecting back what we know about Cornelius. A man who, back in verse 1 and 2, was devout, he feared God, he gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed continuously. A man who feared God and did what was right. So you may ask the question, well, what's the big deal? Why why, uh, the, why the big hubbub here? He feared God. He did, he did what was right. He even kept commands. He, he understood the Old Testament law. And he's like, hey, I want to do that too. I want to follow that law too. I want to do what is right. I want to be a good person. So what was lacking? What was holding him up? This is, a bi- this is a big deal. This is a theological truth that we have to get our minds wrapped around. And that is this. We cannot fear Him. We cannot fear God unless we do so in Christ. You say, I fear God. I believe in God. I believe that He is who He I believe He's great. I believe He's good. Um, I don't understand everything about Him. But yeah, I worship God. Maybe in this faith tradition or that faith tradition. But if you miss Christ, you don't know God. What did Jesus say? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is the most exclusive statement that we can ever make. That is the most offensive statement we can make. So if people want to download this, this podcast this week and play those clips for people, maybe I'll get some hate mail this week. That'd be awesome. 
Because that's what... We cannot fear God unless we come through Christ. Because we cannot understand God. We cannot know God. We don't have a proper fear of God unless we see the justice and the love of God shown to us in Christ Jesus. His justice and pain, the punishment for sin, and not letting us off the hook, but the love of God in sacrificing His own Son for us. We cannot fear God unless we come through Christ. We cannot do what is right unless we come through Christ. Isaiah said, All of our righteousness, your righteousness, is like filthy rags. I'll ask you to Google that and to see what the image is that's conjured by that. Filthy rags. That's what all of our good deeds are. Now, don't hear me saying that good deeds don't matter or or doing what is right doesn't matter. That's That's not what Peter's saying here. He's saying that Whoever does what is right is acceptable to him. But what is most right in God's economy is that we see the glory of God in his son Jesus. And we come to faith in him. And if we do that, everything else comes in line. Now we can, now when we do what is right, it's an, it's an offering honoring to God. Because you could ask the question, well, what would have happened if Cornelius would have heard all of this and he would have said, that's great, Peter, but that's what I already believe. I'm good to go. I already fear God. I already do what is right. So what's new about this? Well, I'll tell you, if he would have done that, we wouldn't have this story. (laughs) So it's kind of an argument from silence. It's a a supposal. We, We don't know. But we wouldn't be telling his story because he would still be outside the camp. He'd still be outside the city. He'd still be outside of God's presence. But he didn't. He responded in faith. We accept others like God accepts others. When, when he says God shows no partiality, what the author is trying to get us, he's trying to kind of nudge us a little bit. So don't you show partiality either. Don't be like that. It's like um, what, what um, the Apostle Paul said um, later uh, in his ministry in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Why? For the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And that's what, that's what Peter is understanding. That there's true fellowship. That this, this fellowship is for all of us. We accept others. We show impartiality to others. We welcome others when we, here it is, impartially fellowship with all his people. When there are people not like us, when people, there are people different who are sitting at our table, when there are people who struggle with sin or struggle with addiction perhaps, or there are people who, who, um, who look and act and think differently than us. Maybe they have different political views. Try that out. Right? Welcome them to your table. as God has welcomed us in Christ.
It's kind of witness, fellowship. Finally, see what happens here after, after all of this that, that Peter declares in the gospel. We see something extraordinary happen. While Peter was still saying these things, <laughs> he, I get the sense that he hadn't even finished. That he hadn't finished his message. He hadn't given an altar call. He hadn't given an invitation. He hadn't explained. So here's how you need to respond. First, by admitting your sins. <laughs> then, you know, confessing those. Um, repenting. Um, putting your faith and trust in Jesus and believing in Him. Um, then you'll be saved. Then you'll have that experience of salvation. It, he doesn't even get to that. While he's still talking, the Holy Spirit falls on them. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And then the other believers who are with, with Peter, they're going, what is going on? This is what happened at Pentecost. They're thinking, hey, this happened back in Acts chapter 2. No, they didn't say that. But, but they're remembering the story. They're remembering what happened to the believers at that time. And how the Holy Spirit confirmed the message of the gospel, empowered His disciples. He caused them to speak in tongues uh, so that all of the people who were present on that day at Pentecost heard them speaking what? The glories of God. All the great things that He's done. And so what is, what is, what is happening here? They heard them. They were amazed and because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. They were speaking in tongues just like the disciples did at Pentecost and extolling God. Speaking in tongues and extolling God. It's a really unique word. It doesn't happen. It doesn't appear very often in the New Testament in the original languages. But it gives us, gets across the idea to us of giving God glory, of worship. That's the big idea of worship, of magnifying God, saying, this is how great God is. Look at Him. He's awesome. He's powerful. See what He has done. And we don't see the greatness of God any clearer than we, when we see Him in Christ, in the Gospel. And here's what, here's what I, I guarantee... They were, they were captivated by. I was captivated by. And I hope you do too. Two statements in Peter's testimony. In Peter's uh, bearing witness of the gospel. He begins by talking about um, pre- preaching the good news of peace. Through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Verse 36. Then, in verse 30, 42, he talks about preaching again to the people and testifying that He is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. That's when the therefore comes. Therefore, anyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Christ. He is is the one. He's sovereign over all things. And the message that he brings as a message of peace. Yet, at the, end of the, at the end of the gospel telling, they're reminded that Jesus has been appointed not just as the one bringing peace as sovereign Lord to, to anyone who will receive it, but He's been appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. To judge. 
to, to offer peace, but to also judge our sin. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why coming to terms with who God is and how He accepts uh, His, His people through Christ is so important. Because if we don't come to faith in Jesus, we stand before one who will judge us. That's why we see Revelation 19 coming into effect. We see a rider on a white horse who's called Faithful and True, who has, I think it's a tattoo, on his, on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He comes with a double-edged sword. He comes to vanquish the enemies of God and those who have rebelled against Him. Those who do not have the mark of Christ on them. Those who have rejected salvation. That's a big deal. We have a sovereign God. And when we recognize He's Lord of all. He offers us peace, yet at the same time He's judge of the living and the dead. And then we experience salvation. We glorify God. We magnify God. We extol God. What is happening here is when the Spirit fills them now, um, like uh, me and... Um, Noah's dad will have a conversation about, you know, theology and doxology and, you know, how our churches are different. Um, how we would maybe, we'd look at this passage and some of my Baptist brothers would interpret this gift of the Holy Spirit a certain way. Whereas my Pentecostal or charismatic brothers will, will interpret it a little bit differently <laughs> what it led to. Regardless of how you might interpret the gifts of the Holy Spirit or tongues or, or what you see in that, the result in chapter 2, the result here in chapter 10 is worship. Worship. When we stand before God, God's not going to go, all right, I want all the Baptists to stand right here. I want all of the Lutherans to stand right here. I want all of the Charismatics to stand right here and and hey, what you, Baptist, you you right there, you what are you doing standing with those guys? Come, on. you know he's going. No, he's not going to do that because we all stand before him in Christ. And what we will do with our brothers and sisters in Christ from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, Revelation once again, is we will all worship God, holy, holy, holy. Worthy are you, extolling God. And when the Spirit comes on a person at salvation, I don't care what comes out of their mouth that you may or may not understand or what language it is. Worship, extolling God, declaring His greatness. My friends, that's why we exist today. That's why the River Church exists. That's why mission exists. Because worship doesn't. Here we are, gathered in His name, recognizing that He accepts all people who He fills with the Spirit of Christ at salvation. 
And it causes us, it ought to cause us to worship. We accept others. That's an implication. We accept others when we collectively worship in one spirit with all of His people. Now, that doesn't change the distinctives that we have today. And some would argue that, well, then we need to get rid of all of the denominations and we just need to... I'm not saying that's going to be helpful. But I'm saying that at the end of the day, the people in our church are brothers and sisters with others who are worshiping God in Christ Jesus all over this valley and all over this world. And even in here, the differences that we may have on secondary or tertiary issues should just melt away when we're in God's presence, worshiping Him together. Are you accepting? This, that's, a, that's, a, that's a legitimate implication of this message. And we ought to ask it as we reflect on what God did for us in Christ to accept every one of us. Let's pray. Father, you are great. You are glorious. You have redeemed us. You have called us by name. You have made us a people. You have chosen us, not because of any works in us, not because of our own righteousness, but because of your grace, because of your great mercy towards us, your, your steadfast love, your compassion to us. And you gave us Christ. May all who hear this message respond with belief that they may receive forgiveness of their sins, that they may walk in newness of life before you. May we be a people known um, for holding on to the gospel and the truth of the gospel, that you are the judge of the living and the dead, that you come to us in Christ to offer us peace. You are Lord of all. May we also be known as people who love and accept, welcome others in Christ, just as Christ has welcomed us. Not to compromise what we believe, but to be able to declare the greatness, the glory of the gospel of Christ. For your glory, and our joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.